I come in peace, Submariner. Our meeting has been inevitable and long delayed. Behold the face of your ally, the one who shares your ambition, the total defeat of all mankind. That is strong talk from a stranger. Never fear. I am strong. Strong enough to join the powers of science to those of darkness. Show me the puny mortal who does not tremble at the name of Dr. Doom. Greetings from Latveria. Well, am I greeting you from Latveria, or are we greeting the listeners? Are we both in Latveria greeting the listeners, or neither? Uh, I would think Doom would probably not have us in Latveria. (laughs) (laughs) Our Latverian uh, citizenship has been revoked. Uh, If you're listening to this, we are are on the run from the Latverian Immigration Department. (laughs) I think that sounds fair. Political asylum from Latveria. Craig and Bill on the run, broadcasting as Latverian rebels, uh, the Dr. Doomcast. We have a lot to talk about today. You and I texted a little bit about this before uh, this call because of the oddness of the storyline we're about to talk about. Yes, I think this is the only time in history where we have a story that features Dr. Doom, the Submariner, and a pimp. (laughs) <laughs> we have a lot to talk about it's never exclu- it's never explicitly said that this guy is a pimp but um you know we're, we're gonna get there there's the comics code and all <laughs> let's dive into this because there's a lot to cover and we're gonna try i mean as always we try to keep the doom specific stuff to the forefront but there's just so much here that we have to talk about it's doom yeah um this is definitely a submariner story And what I mean by that is this is right in the middle of a bunch of stuff going on for Neymar, which Mm -hmm. does not involve Doom at all. So there's a lot of stuff that would probably behoove us just kind of gloss over. Yeah. uh, Since it concerns nothing that's in our, you know, jurisdiction. Um, I would like to point out one thing. If you remember back to when we were covering the Dr. Doom stories in Astonishing Tales, yeah. And issue number eight, it said, uh, next issue was a story called Death Mask. But in issue right. number nine, Dr. Doom wasn't in it anymore. So that story never was, uh, was never seen. And the Submariner in the first issue here, uh, what is that? Uh, issue 47. If you notice on the bottom of the cover, it's called Doom's Mask, which I'm wondering if maybe this was meant to, Harken back to that unreleased story, Death Mask, but they forgot it was not called Doom's Mask. It was Death Mask. <laughs> they couldn't even get that part right. <laughs> and now, and now it's Doom's Mask with like an old English Q U E spelling on mask instead of the right. what I'll say is the American version of M A S K. Well, actually, odd. this version that spelling, I, I looked that up. And I guess it actually does mean something. Uh, it has to do with like a, a uh, like a ball or um, like one of those uppity kind of costume parties, like from Batman Returns, where like they hold up the masks in front of their face. Oh, okay, yeah, like the like a true masquerade ball. Right, right. <laughs> oh, well, that gets us off on the right foot here. Submariner number forty-seven, <laughs> Doom's mask with the old English spelling. And like you said, we'll gloss over some of these things, but 
it starts the Submariner is in a is having a nightmare. It turns out he's a stowaway on a railroad car. He has amnesia. A lot of things have led up to this. We can kind of touch on them as we go. He, he's he's accosted on the railroad car by some other. Well, I had I had my notes. Other hobos. I yes, I was just call, thinking that they're hobos. It's what, what we used to call people who rode the rails, so to speak. You know, he he's he's accosted as a as a different kind of hobo. They're like he's a fancy pants hobo. <laughs> I think because he was wearing a sport coat or something. I don't remember, but they're no they're no match for him. Or they're no match for him at all. He quickly dispatches them. He's off the train. He's on the run. A cop tries to shoot at him. That that cop's gun disappears. It's dissolved, and uh, we see someone from the shadows watching, commenting on this. Uh, someone who turns out to be Doom, and that's the first bit of Doom we see in this issue. Yes, he's uh, basically just watching. Hobo Namor from afar, <laughs> protecting Namor from hobos and cops shooting at him. Should be noted that this is drawn by uh, Gene Colan, so we get a lot more of that uh, kind of dark and moody, atmospheric uh, look to it, since that was his specialty. I just wish it was with a better story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go. There's a brief one-page bit, I think it is, about a, a senator named Senator Winters. There's a little side story real quickly about him worrying that people will think he's on the side of a menace because he's supportive of Namor. We don't really come back to this ever. Maybe they do in other issues, but for the rest of this arc, this is this is a very brief sojourn. Correct. Yeah, that'll be gone back into with Namor, but it that has nothing to do with Doom. And now we get we start to get into things that are gonna take up big chunks of this story arc. Oh, Namor, may I uh, interject for a quick second, Craig? Oh, there's uh, a me. good continuity snarl here uh, with the the uh, politician you had mentioned. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Senator Winters. He's looking at a newspaper and it's saying that Namor has been seen in Boston, and he's uh, saying that in the newspaper it says Senator Winters supports the greatest public menace since Godzilla. Okay, so Godzilla has been in the movies at this point ever since the 1950s. Okay. However, Godzilla, just a few short years after this issue, has his own comic book series set firmly in the Marvel Universe. It guest stars like the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, throughout the run. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is after Godzilla. But Godzilla wouldn't have existed in movies in the Marvel Universe at this point because he was, quote-unquote, new in the Marvel Universe with Godzilla's first issue. This is just one of those, like, they were making a topical movie reference, unknowing, unknowing that in the future they would have the license to do Godzilla comics and put him in the Marvel Universe, therefore make him this line completely bonkers because Godzilla wouldn't have existed, like, even in, fictionally in the Marvel Universe at this point. And I, I, just, and I see an instance where Gene Colan is perhaps pointing this out to somebody. And somebody's saying, well, you know, what are the odds someone's going to catch this as a mistake in continuity? Maybe one day in 2020, there'll be two guys <laughs> doing podcasts. Well, no, because at this point, Marvel didn't have the license for Godzilla. So at the time, it was okay, this reference. Yeah. It's just that as time rolled on and things happened and they got the license for Godzilla that made this reference, like, not making sense. 
I just because yeah. I know I've read the Godzilla series, I knew about it. I was checking like when did that start? Because I I knew it was more like around the time we were in kindergarten or so, and we weren't alive at this point in time. You know, I just checked the dates on that. I was like, oh yeah, this reference makes no sense. Like in context of the Marvel universe, right? So that's all. This Nobody... annoyed me. Wanted to point that out. <laughs> Nobody back then would have been thinking what we would think now, which is like, well, one day we might have our hands on that license, so we better be careful. And those days, this was these probably this probably wasn't thought of at all. Correct, you are correct. Namor is he's in the streets, he's injured, he encounters a young woman named Cindy Jones, and there's a lot to talk about here. <laughs> he tells her he's hurt. It's nighttime. He he's like, I'm hurt. You have to help me. He's asking for help. She goes with it. I guess people did this back then she's like well all right i don't know you you're some guy in the street i mean i guess he's an attractive man or something but she's and i'm not making any aspersions or anything but she's like well all right fair enough i'll help maybe she's just a good-hearted person (laughs) i don't know i i would think that uh i tend to not approach women i don't know in the streets whether i'm injured or not i just assume they're not going to help me and they're not interested in talking to me Right. The best case scenario of like broad daylight, you're looking well, things are going well, the the universe has got all its vibes together. It's someone who maybe knows you in some capacity and is in, kind of interested or maybe overtly interested. Even then, it's like, well, you know, let's take it easy here. This is <laughs> not that at all. This is a guy who's like half clothed, I think, or like maybe an open shirt. I don't remember, but he's just like out of control. He's injured. He's like, help me. It's like, all right, all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, nighttime. She's by herself. Yeah. He stumbles out of an alley. His clothes are like kind of torn up. He's shot in the arm by the cop before Doom disintegrated his his pistol. So yeah, this isn't like any sort of ideal situation at all. Not at all. <laughs> and she takes care of him though. She takes him home to her apartment and she's kind of nursing him back to health. And he he comments. He's like, "You have a lot of books." And she says, "Well, I thought I'd be a writer, but it didn't quite work out." And there's more that'll come out of this, I guess, but we're we're led to believe because she has a lot of books, she's well read and she's well read because she thought she was going to be a writer. And for whatever reason, that didn't work out. And maybe that's made her into this compassionate person. People who are writers are compassionate people who will take in odd injured men off the street in the middle of the night. <laughs> I guess maybe that's where this is going. I'm not sure. But there's a knock at the door and Namor tells tells her not to answer it. He's got a bad feeling. He's like, let me do it. He opens the door and says, Neptune's trident, which I guess <laughs> is like Great Caesar's ghost or something. Yes, that's one of his catchphrases. And now finally, it turns out to be Doom, which is, is a great panel of Doom. Doom, you know, again, this poor girl who's like, well, first I took in the strange guy off the street who was injured. Now Dr. Doom shows up at my door. <laughs> Things are just all over the place. Hey, at least Doom knocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just barge in. And Doom says it was he who saved Namor from the cops earlier, and he's there to ask for Namor's help. And his presence is leading Namor to remember some of the past. Um, he remembers his past love dying. He's still, in, he's still not getting the whole picture, but it stirs enough in him where he gets angry. He tries to attack Doom. I like this. Doom doesn't want to fight back because he needs Namor's help. But he does say to himself, above all else, Doom must retain his dignity. And so, like, he can't, Doom can't just lose the fight. He doesn't want to fight back, but he also can't be seen to lose the fight and throw it. He can't do a finger poke of Doom here or anything. Right. So he fights back just enough to make it seem like he's putting up a fight. Right. Um, 
they fight. They end up in the living room of some elderly couple who's like having tea or something. <laughs> and I wrote this down. I'm like, well, it's kind of implied that they're elderly. But the way we've seen these things kind of when we go back and look at them later, they're probably supposed to be about 50. <laughs> but they or, look or about like even, 75. <laughs> they look 75. But like later, if we went and researched this, it'd be like, well, they're supposed to be like a middle aged couple. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's true. Like people did not age well back in the day. <laughs> you, you went from like, like, you know, a teenager to maybe 30 to like 77. It's true. Like, man, when I look back on pictures of like Stanley and Jack Kirby when they were our age now, I mean, mm -hmm. they looked then like they would be our fathers, <laughs> even though we're the right. same age. <laughs> We've said this before. Whenever we get news of somebody who's like, they'll, they'll, someone will pass away and they'll say he was 82. And then we'll look at it and we'll go like, now, wait a minute. I remember this guy from the 80s, and he was 82 in the 80s. How how was he not like 177? And it I know turns it's out like, he wasn't. Yeah, it's like people used to be born old. <laughs> right. It, it turns out like when we saw him in the 80s, he was 42. He was younger than we are today. <laughs> but you wouldn't yeah, have known. <laughs> or, or you see pictures from, from like the 20s or the, the Great Depression or something, and you're like, wow, this is like somebody's grandfather? And they're like, well, no, that was just the guy before he went off to war. He was 27 or whatever. Like, oh, <laughs> People just lived rough. I don't know if it was the clothes or what, but. <laughs> I think it was a combination of, the Great Depression, World War II, their diets, even though, like, supposedly they ate better than we do now, I think we eat a lot more preservatives, so it preserves us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man, because, yeah, people did not age well back in the day, even when drawing them. Like, think no more than Peter Parker and his Aunt May. Aunt May is supposed to be the age of his parents, not the right. age of a grandparent of his or a great-grandparent the way that she was drawn. Right. So, I mean, exactly. yeah, it's, just, it's crazy. Even when drawn, they look old. Like, yes. the picture is one thing, but, like, even in artwork, they're, I mean, and we're making assumptions. Maybe if we get some interview with Gene Colan, or, uh, he'll be able to tell us, but, or he, he may have put that down in writing somewhere. But Doom, during the fight, sets fire to the couch, their, the elderly person's couch, their Davenport, they probably called it. And uh, <laughs> he puts the fire out. And Namor kind of calls him on this, and Doom's like, well, I don't want my reputation tarnished. And he says, by the death of two old ones who have no place in our struggles. And they're probably thinking, hey, you know, old. I'm 42, <laughs> buddy. You know, geez. <laughs> I'm just drawn as 70. <laughs> I'm just drawn as 70. We don't really get anything else with them. We, there's a lot of these things in this in these issues we're covering today, where which touched on real quickly and skipped over just as quickly. Namor's not impressed by this too much he, he tackles doom so they both fly out the window and doom calls him a fool for this this is basically you know if we die anymore it's your fault he says don't give me any chivalrous words about how you'd be glad to die if you took me with you and doom says i despise melodrama which is funny coming from doom because doom can be the most melodramatic man in comics probably yeah <laughs> um doom saves them as he does and Cindy Jones comes back and runs up and says, don't hurt him anymore. You know, she's firmly in the Namor camp, even though I don't know that she knows his name. Um, yeah, she didn't. It's not like she recognized him. Like, hey, I know you. You're Namor the Submariner. Right. It comes up here because Doom stops and says, well, all right, you know, I don't have any quarrel with you. And he invites Namor back to the embassy. And I think this is where he says, like, you know, what do you think, Namor or something? And she's like, Namor, you know, it, it, as if it never occurred to her. Like, I mean, 
I've never, I guess, helped an injured man from an alley back to my apartment. I think I would have asked him his name at some point, but uh, I mean, again, I don't know. I've never <laughs> no done names. it. <laughs> Maybe he just said that, like, my name is not important. <laughs> well, he does have pointy ears and the Spock eyebrows, so like, Namor stands out in a crowd. Is that like, right. you know, he could just blend in with a bunch of people and you wouldn't know who he is. So maybe, and and he is a well-known person in the Marvel Universe, so maybe she she didn't know his name, like Namor, but she recognized his facial features, like, I know this guy from somewhere, I don't know, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I think he's Captain America, but I don't want to say (laughs) (laughs) He can only be, you know. He can only be Benjamin. (laughs) <laughs> right, she thinks it's somebody, but she has no idea. She's like, he's one of those superhero people. <laughs> okay, so they go back to the embassy. We cut to the embassy, and Namor is back in his trunks. So he's out of clothes, and he's back in his like swim trunks. And Doom is yelling at the guards, and Doom is saying, "You heard him. Your present, in- your presence inhibits Namor. Get out." <laughs> so, what was happening there? Like, was Namor like trying to strip down to trunks, and he's like, "I can't with these people around." <laughs> Yeah, we're like walking into the middle of a scene, like, or like Namor's sitting in a chair. Maybe he was like pontificating something, and right. he didn't like the looks of this '70s beatnik guy that Doom had standing around. Right. And Who then that uh, guy? Yeah. the Cindy Jones, she's looking at Doom's artwork, which again with the artwork, I had no idea. Like Doom is an art connoisseur. Is many comics that I've read with him in it, <laughs> but apparently he had this phase for a while. He w- he was like heavily into art in this phase, and maybe there's some crossover where he meets like Andy Warhol or something. We don't know this, but <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. She says, "Hey, these are real, you know." And and Doom says, "Yes, tragically," which I'm not sure why. Like, he, is he just is he saying tragically in that it's not good artwork, or like tragically they're because they are real and he had to steal them? I'm not sure. Well, she um, calls out a few of the artists by name, and they're dead at this point. So maybe that's what he meant by tragically. I don't know. And he he does seem impressed by her art knowledge. And Doom seems somewhat, I don't want to say he's enamored of Cindy Jones, but he he gives her a pretty wide berth in these couple issues. Like we've seen Doom and, you know, he's not the woman hater that like a Reed Richards is, but (laughs) he he definitely, you know, kind of keeps them at arm's length and, you know, maybe save for Valeria or something. But maybe he's afraid Valeria will find out if this chick was hanging around. So, you know, <laughs> that's why he threw that guy out of the room. <laughs> right. Whoever that guy was, and he's, you know, pins it on Namor. Like, uh, Namor's upset by you being here. Uh, can you uh, get out? <laughs> Namor looks around like, I said no such thing. <laughs> right. So Doom is giving Namor some backstory to try to jog the memory. And it's somewhat colored because it paints the Fantastic Four as evil a- adversaries, which, I mean, in Doom's mind, that's true. So it's, you know. It's one of those like, well, it's not a lie if you believe it, I guess. Oh, it's the Obi-Wan um, Kenobi from a certain point of view. Right. And we all do the same Luke response. A certain point of view. Right. <laughs> I think we know what we really wanted to say in those instances. Like, well, that's just, you know, that's just crazy. That doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> You liar. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say, you know, these are these are untruths. Like, I think they're just lies. But <laughs> so Doom convinces Namor they were allies before. They should be allies again. And Namor goes with it. 
They fly toward New Orleans, where Doom has discovered an old base of AIM, and he thinks there's a valuable weapon to be found there. Uh, AIM, I forget what AIM is, is, is a group. Yeah, it's um, the Advanced Idea Mechanics, and they're a group of scientists who wear kind of beekeeper-type helmets. <laughs> and uh, they're responsible for making uh, different scientific wonders in the Marvel Universe. And I don't want to say the two things are most known for because that comes up later in the story. Yeah, they, they, so they found this base. They're approaching it. The base sort of auto attacks them. Doom explains, well, it's auto defense mechanisms. And he talks a little bit about, is it Modok? M-O-D-O-K? Yes. And he says that Modok was the leader of AIM. He was taken out by Captain America. So Doom's going to destroy these auto defenses and then they should be fine. Yeah, um, and, Modok, um, just so you know, it's, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, it stands for... Um, oh, it's an acronym? Thank you. I drew a complete blank. It's an acronym. stands for Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing, which you only get in Marvel. Wow. And it should also be noted that Cindy Jones is, like, hanging out with Namor in the back of Doom's craft here. Like, it seems yeah. odd Doom would have been like, yeah, we could take her with us. Like, <laughs> I have a hard time, like, seeing how that would have gone down. Well... They come back to this shortly when we get into the next issue, but before that, Doom's explaining this, and Namor says to, to Cindy Jones, are you glad you came along? And she's definitely, and she's like, now that we have each other now, and she needs him to go straight more than any girl's ever needed a man. She's bought fully in onto this Namor thing, and now she's just saying, like, well, sure, I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad we have each other. And I don't know that Namor is not like, well, wait a minute, I, I don't know that I <laughs> said any of that. Yeah, Namor <laughs> just lost his wife. I mean, since the last time we had seen him on the show here, right? Uh, he had been married to the Lady Dorma, who is an Atlantean, and then she had just been killed a few issues before this. So Namor's probably not in the mindset where he's looking for a new girlfriend at the moment. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly grateful that she helped him, and she he seems fine that she's along for this mission, but she might be presuming a bit. But we end this issue with Modok. We see him watching Doom's ship, and he's laughing because Doom, Doom thinks he's dead. Modok's dead. But in reality, he's very much alive, and he has the cosmic cube, which is what I don't know. Is Doom know this is Doom thinks there's something in the space that he wants. Does he know it's the cosmic cube at this point, or does he does he suspect that? I'm sure that he would at least suspect it. The cosmic cube, or as movie audiences nowadays would know it, the Tesseract was created by okay. AIM. It is basically a modern day technological Aladdin's lamp. Whoever possesses it can reshape reality at their whim and it's been routinely sought after by both the red skull and dr doom uh so i'm sure if doom is looking for something from aim he's probably looking for the cosmic cube okay because we i don't think we've run into this in any of our doom related issues but maybe this has appeared in marvel at this point yeah. not in anything we've seen. yeah the red skull has already gotten hold of the cosmic cube at least once maybe twice and he's been defeated by Captain America. And it popped up once in the Avengers by this point in an issue that guest starred the Submariner. But this is the first time that Doom would have getting involved with it. And that leads us right into Submariner number 48, Twilight of the Hunted. Now, I'd like to ask you, when you look at the cover, who is the blonde woman on the cover? <laughs> right, that never came back. Up. Is that supposed I mean, to be Cindy Jones? <laughs> 
You've said before that the covers don't necessarily represent what's happening, but there, there's no blonde woman that we see anywhere else in the. No, like I mean, Cindy Jones is a brunette. Uh, for those who haven't seen the issues, this is a blonde woman in a red dress, which I mean, she looks more like I don't know the Invisible Woman than like Cindy Jones. <laughs> so I don't know if there's a miscommunication right. with the colorist or or what, but or she's just generic woman on the cover or something. But that that jumped right out at me. Like, who's this chick on the cover? Because <laughs> we do meet a friend of Cindy Jones in this issue. We'll talk about it in a minute here, but she's not blonde either. Yeah, so what up with that? <laughs> but we, we start with an argument between Doom and Namor. And Doom is saying they need to leave Cindy Jones behind because he says, we must travel light. And women, Namor, can only cause us difficulty. <laughs> well, I mean, is so Doom now, wrong? <laughs> Well, now we're getting back. Now we're seeing a glimpse of the old Doom. Yes. Or the Doom we know and love where he's just like has no patience for this kind of thing, which is like you said, it was odd that he just was allowing this to begin with. But now he's getting back to normal. And he's saying, OK, look, we got to get rid of her. She's going to slow us down. Maybe, though, he, he's worried about her safety and he's doesn't want her to be close by to any of this. But either way, Namor's not having it. Yeah, yeah you and, figured uh, Doom would have been like, hey, let's look, she'll be safe to staying here in my embassy. You and I can go do this thing, and then like you know we can come back. You can grab her. You guys can go do whatever. They're like it just seems odd. Right. He's like, yeah, take her along, whatever. <laughs> and so Namor's not having it, but Cindy says, "Well, maybe I should go." And Namor says, "No, you'll stay with me. Don't argue, girl." So Namor is back into this like, well, it's more of a principle thing than anything else. <laughs> and she says, "What's well, okay? New Orleans used to be my home, and Doom has." like snarky doom is one of my favorites and dooms she says it used to be my home and doom says perhaps it should be so again my dear. <laughs> it's basically like yeah it was and why isn't it again <laughs> take it you know take your leave <laughs> namor's fed up with all this so he just takes the girl and splits and doom has one of his henchmen follow them yes he's in a very like uh another like buck rogers kind of get up here this weird yeah guy. right and uh he sends this guy and he says, all right, we'll follow them and, you know, make sure no harm comes to them, basically. And Namor, while they're going away, Namor's explaining some things to Cindy. She says, she tells him he talks funny, like something out of a book. And Namor is sort of indignant. He's like, that's just the way I speak. You know, it's like saying, don't breathe that way or something. He's a little upset by this, but he's lets it slide. Okay. And now we come to the scene that this got us texting a little bit before this episode. <laughs> This is where this is where things get really bizarre for us. I, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> they go to Cindy's old apartment in New Orleans, and a woman named Arlene opens the door, who apparently is some sort of old friend of Cindy's. I mean, she's not old herself, but like they go back. You mean? <laughs> right. Yes, they've been friends prior. She's not an old lady, although who knows what what anyone's age is at this point. So she could be twenty two. She could be seventy two. So. But she's drawn, not drawn old. She's drawn as a younger yeah. person. So they, they come into this apartment. Cindy asks if John's here. And Arlene says yes. Okay. Then this John guy appears. And let's describe him a little bit here. He's got long, black, flowy hair like, like a rock star. <laughs> He's got some sort of giant gold necklace with what looks to be maybe like an iron cross, like you'd wear in the Russian army or something. Yeah. And He's, a green, like shirt with a fringe on it and he he's got maybe some messed up teeth or it's like implied he doesn't have good teeth 
he's got an odd smile. Or yeah, something. like the British. Some odd, like, <laughs> <laughs> and some sort of, uh, like Elton John sunglasses. Yes, seventies Elton John sunglasses. Right, not like modern Elton John. You know, where Elton, not two thousand twenty Elton John, like nineteen seventy three Elton. John. <laughs> and okay, he, he's got a gun pointed at them. He says this. He says. Cindy, he says that Cindy has been a bad girl, leaving their happy little drug-pushing nest. So, as you said, like, is he a pimp? Is he a drug dealer? Is he both? Uh, yeah, I mean... What is going on? What was going on? The, the dialogue would indicate they were, like, I guess, drug dealers? But his mm-hmm. look would more indicate, like, a pimp? Even the way their place looks is more like I would think of like a pimp thing than a drug thing. But I don't think they were allowed to show drugs back then. So, like, yeah, I don't – the whole thing just confused me because, first of all, this guy is going to be like nothing for Namor to take care of. And Doom's got right. his, his Flash Gordon guy outside watching, like, you know, all voyeuristic <laughs> uh He's notifying Doom, like, there could be trouble here. I'm like, yeah, right, trouble. And then, oh, this guy's not even wearing a shirt. That's right, he's wearing, like, a like a muumuu. It's a green muumuu with fringe. I don't know what this right, guy yeah. is. <laughs> My mind is it's collapsing bizarre. in on itself trying to figure this guy out. <laughs> and then I thought, too, okay, like, if it's implied that he's a pimp, and it was implied that maybe Cindy was a prostitute, is that why she was out at night when Namor finds her in the last issue, or I just assumed she was like walking home or something. Right. That could be taken either way now. Right. And I'm making no aspersions about anybody in any sort of line of work, but I'm just saying like, that's not how I read that at first. And now this kind of opens this up like, Oh, all right. Now is this why she didn't become a writer because she got messed up with these guys? Yeah. Like there's a whole story that could be there. I'm thinking this is, this is like the Marvel method coming into play. I'm thinking that Gene Colan was drawing this out as she takes Namor to, you know, her friend's place. And then this like crooked guy is there. Then Jerry Conway was the, the writer. And so he's writing it as if, well, I guess he's a drug pusher, which, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just it's I don't very know. bizarre. That's all I kept saying reading this. I'm like I had I went back and like read that part like three different times, like, all right, maybe it's late. I, I'm not getting this. And I'm like, no, I still don't know. So <laughs> this guy opens fire on Namor a few times. It doesn't really hurt him, like you called out. He's no match. Doom's henchman in his odd outfit crashes in, takes Cindy away. Then it's a weird time skip here because the cops are there, though, and then they want to arrest Namor, and the one guy's like, well, because of what he did to that hippie. So they're talking about John, who, I guess, as the hippie, and Namor beat him up, but they didn't really show a lot of that. Yeah, Namor just, like, punched the floor and sent this dude flying. And then that's when Flash Gordon wannabe busts through the window. He punched out Cindy, and then he grabbed her and flew away. And then Namor is just left on the ground with um, her friend Arlene there. And then next thing, Namor wakes up, I would assume not too much later, and cops are there. I guess probably Arlene had called them or they were drawn by the noise or something. And uh, for some reason, the cops are all wearing motorcycle helmets. 
So I like are they all motorcycle yeah. cops that showed up. But I was uh the other day, well, a couple weeks ago now, I was watching um Scream Blackula Scream, don't judge me. And um the cops in there all wore motorcycle helmets even though they were in police cars. I was wondering because that would have been about the same time as this issue. And I was wondering, like, did cops go through a phase in the 70s where they just all wore motorcycle helmets? I mean, that, you might have something. That was a time of a lot of, like, riots and unrest. So maybe they're like, look, we don't know what we're going to run into today. Just bring those helmets along. We could have that. Just wear it. Oh. It seems like it would be pretty hot. It seems like it would be pretty hot to wear in the car the whole time if they're not on a motorcycle. Yeah, because, I mean, it looks um, weird, like, cops getting out of a cop car wearing motorcycle helmets. Like, did you guys lose your motorcycles or something? Like, what, what gives? Right. And... And it's not like, I mean, where helmets an easier prop to come by or something. I don't know about the movies, but in a comic book thing, if you wanted to show their police, you could just have them wear like the policeman's hat. Right. Although the policeman's hat, I don't know, is necessarily something that, I mean, New York City police would wear that. But I don't, you know, we grew up in Detroit and I don't remember, unless it's like an official business thing, I don't think they wear those hats. Yeah, cops just like, um, I know here in the suburbs, they don't wear hats at all. You know, they they wear their uniforms, but um, I have seen them have their hats in their cars. So, like you said, yeah. it's something more official or maybe they have to go to someone's house and, you know, tell them something that they'll put their hats on. But I, I the only cops in real life I've ever seen wearing motorcycle helmets were the cops on motorcycles. And there's not too many of those out here this yeah. way. I mean, occasionally in the summer you might see one or two. If we have any policemen uh, listeners, you can uh... – Get in touch with us and let us know exactly what the story is with your your helmet versus hat. <laughs> this is like the Cobra Commander. Like, well, which one do you want to wear? <laughs> Except Cobra Commander's, you know, he's his um, own thing. He's cool. <laughs> right. The cops come. They're gonna. They're gonna. They say something about like, well, even if he's a pusher, you know, and he beat up that hippie, we we can't, you know, we can't take this too far. Implying that they think maybe Namor is caught up in whatever's going on at John and Arlene's. <laughs> apartment name or <laughs> pimp <laughs> or a pusher of some kind like a dope yeah and maybe that's gonna leak out into the tabloids later like you, you just picture this alternate timeline where these police are like well, i'll tell you something about that <laughs> i didn't realize it then but we busted up uh this thing one time and he was certainly in cahoots with this uh john here <laughs> he was trying to take over uh pushing some drugs and and pimping out the ladies <laughs> Neymar reading the paper like, what? <laughs> That's completely unfounded. I'm suing for life. <laughs> and it was all very generic. So, like, we don't really know what's going on. But they, they tell him, um, this is a good line. They'll say he'll either come standing or on his back. And then Doom shows up out of nowhere and says, wrong, gentlemen. He comes not at all. And he vaporizes their guns, which is terrific. <laughs> and Doom says, do I need to make things clearer? And they're like, nope, good enough. You know, saves us the paperwork. You can take it from here. So, again, this is a very odd scenario where the police are like, well, this guy might be a pimp. He might be a pusher. We got to see what's going on. He's fighting police, which is a felony to assault police officers. And then the, you know, the ruler of Latveria just happens to show up and is like, nope, you know, I'll take it from here, gentlemen. And they're like, well, well, you know, you can't argue with that. Think of this from the cop's point of view. Like, okay, the Submariner is the recognized king of Atlantis, which in the current Marvel continuity, like that's, that's means something. 
back at this point in time, it was kind of more cloudy, you know, like how many people even believed in Atlantis back then. Right. And then Dr. Doom, you know, he's, he's got his diplomatic immunity he loves to brag about. He is the King Latveria, which everyone knows is a country and everything. So these cops are probably like, this is way above our pay grade. <laughs> if Doom is going to take Namor and like, just look, fly away, yeah. just whatever, just get him out of here. <laughs> this gets us into overtime. We we don't we you know we can't we can't do overtime. It's and remember too that these cops are down in uh, New Orleans. This isn't New York. So like you know New York right. City, this stuff's going on like you know every Tuesday. Whereas in New Orleans. In Marvel Earth, uh, the only stuff that ever happens in New Orleans is, like, zombie stuff. And, and I mean zombie, like, Haitian zombies, not, like, you know, like, cool Night of Living Dead zombies. So, like, right. they're just, the cops down there aren't used to anything that cops here don't do. And they go, so they go with it. They're like, yeah, all right, good enough, pal. So Doom takes Namor on his flying sled. And he tells him that uh, he'll keep Cindy until Namor helps with this end of the plan. And Namor goes with it. He's like, all right, let's just get this done. He gives Doom gives Namor a backpack to use as a guide so Namor can dive down into the water towards the signal from the aim base. And Doom's thinking to himself how Namor hates him. But he's like, well, he should. Because if the roles were reversed, you know, I, I'd hate the other guy too. And it's a little bit of Doom kind of you know, having this humanitarian angle, but then he says, well, it won't matter once I have the cosmic cube because people will then shudder in fear at the very mention of doom again. So he's kind of implying like until he has the cosmic cube that lately doom is not getting the recognition that he should, which just in the issues that we've done recently, I guess there's something to that because he kind of lost to Thor and he kind of lost to the Hulk only because they wouldn't keep fighting him. They're like, uh, We've done enough. Yeah, they're like, well, I'm done. We, we don't even need to keep this fight. <laughs> right. So I guess he's kind of got a leg to stand on here. Like, he's worried that his stock is dropping, but this is going to put him over the top, which it sounds like if he can get his hands on it, it will. Doom's men are watching things go down. Okay. And then one says, they ask about a guy named Kenner. Uh, he's like, have you seen that Kenner guy? And they're like, who? No. And no one seems to like this guy, and no one's seen him either. And we come back to that a little bit later on, like, we find out who he is later, but that starts right. to set it up. Namor is down in the ocean. He's trying to get to the aim base. He comes across a stingray, which jogs his memory a bit more. There's more to that story, but I'm kind of glossing it a little bit because apparently he fought a guy who is a stingray or looks like a stingray. I, I didn't dig too deep. <laughs> a stingray that. is, um, we saw him in the, the last issue. Uh, he's uh, Professor Walter Newell. New, Newell, I think is how you pronounce the name. And uh, he is the superhero yeah. known as Stingray. He's got a cool white and red suit. And uh, he is um, not an actual member of the Avengers, but he is like an associate to the team. Because for a while they're headquartered on an artificial island and it was his place. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's got those Avengers uh, connections. So um, Namor, I guess, had a run-in with Stingray before the storyline started. So that's why Stingray would kind of be fresh in his mind. So as his memory is getting jogged a bit, he's blasted by some sub-audio whales from down from a machine that comes out of the ocean floor, which is another, I guess, defense setup from uh, AIM. Yes. 
And Doom and Doom encounters a similar machine, and he he kind of comes to the same conclusion. Like, well, this is just another one of the mechanisms set up for defense. And Modok is watching this, and he thinks Doom is a fool for attempting what he's attempting. But he's also upset about he's also upset that Doom would easily assume that he's dead. He's like, why? Well, you know, that upsets me that they think I'm so easily killed. He has a flashback of his own where he thinks about how he escaped the attack, the one where Doom thinks that Modok right. was killed. But and how because of this he no longer trusts humans. He only trusts androids. So his whole army is like androids. And you know, I'd go with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some. There, we we touch on this a little bit next issue when Doom kind of calls him on it. Doom's going to drill into the ocean. Now the mysterious Kenner shows up and tries to stop things, but Doom's henchmen aren't going for his nonsense. They kind of shut him down pretty quickly. Now we get into the another. Very oh yes. Scene <laughs> Cindy Jones is in her cell, I guess. She's, you know, a captive maybe of Doom. I don't know exactly how this is. I mean, they're keeping her in one spot. Yes, yeah, it's, it's important part. listed as a chamber in the um, narration box. Now, a chamber could mean like a room, yeah. like a bed chamber. It could mean a, like a jail cell. Um, but it, there's not enough of the background to, to tip us off. Um, but it looks like there might be some bars over this dude's head, so maybe it's a jail cell. So let's call it a cell. One of Doom's guards comes calling, and she says, you know, what do you want with me? And this guy goes, well, I guess you're kind of lonely, <laughs> and a pretty girl like you shouldn't be lonely, you get me? <laughs> and she's totally repulsed by this, as yes. well as she should be. And so this guy's like, she's trying to fight and scream, and this guy goes, that's it, sweetheart. Keep screaming. <laughs> and I think he was going to say, like, keep screaming because I like screaming or something. And then suddenly he's screaming. And because and because Doom, I guess, is elect- electrocuting him or something? Yeah, Doom, like, wasn't quite zaps him from behind. And he says, Wilson, you disgust Doom me. Says, <laughs> so this is definitely something that Doom says, does not approve of. He says, a man like you doesn't deserve right. to live. And this mysterious Wilson fella, Cindy says, this This I thought was odd. She says to Doom, what are you going to do with him? He was only trying. And I was like, well, Doom wait, cuts her off. He then. was only trying. He what? says, I know precisely what he's attempting, yeah. my dear. <laughs> it's something I don't allow. Right. And, and, and then he says, I've got more important things to do. And, you know, he's wasted enough time on this. And then as he leaves, she thinks to herself, she's like, Namor, why did you take me with you? And why did I have to go? <laughs> All right, before we move on from this. So this, so it starts with this weird Wilson guy coming onto this guard. Like, this girl's just in the cell. Now, granted, you know, she's a prisoner, but Doom's just got her in there. He's trying, he's, he's trying to just keep her until Namor does his part of the thing, which is not, I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying, like, Doom is, I think for her own safety, right. has her off to the side. And then this, like, C.D. Wilson character is just like, Ugh. yeah, baby. Ugh. It's like some... It's it, terrible. It's... it's like this... It was so disgusting. I was glad that Doom... But, like, then she was... Like, she felt some sort of pity for him because she was like, what are you going to do with him? He was only trying... Like, he was only trying what? He was only <laughs> trying to, like... I know, like... Say? This is perverse. Maybe if she was caught up with a pimp and she was, in fact, out... Uh... Uh, working when Namor first ran into her, maybe that's 
this is an indication of that, her response, versus how I would think a woman would normally respond, like, you know, get this filthy pig away from me kind of thing. I mean, at least Doom recognized what was going on, put an immediate end to it, and he has a couple of his guys, like, carry this dude's carcass out, and he makes it clear that, like, I'm not allowing any of this crap. That's what I thought because I, you know when you when you write something they're supposed to build on uh, just a writing lesson from a person who's not a really a writer but you know I always heard you're supposed to build on structure like each sentence each word in a sentence has its place each sentence in a paragraph has its place each part of the story has its place like why is this in here and I thought why did we need this scene <laughs> like maybe we're showing that Doom has some protective angle towards this girl or. I know we're, you know, it, it ends up showing that he's above this level of villainy, but we already knew that, and I don't think it really comes into play again later. It's not like Wilson comes back. The revenge of Wilson. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the comic. In Fifteen years, he'll be back like the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> right. He was this minor villain of the week guy, and now he's back, and he's blaming Cindy Cindy Jones and Doom for his failures. <laughs> now he's on Reddit, like just posting angry <laughs> or something. Oh boy! Namor is, is is has been trying to get to the bottom. He's knocked on the ocean floor. He, he, there's a set of doors that opens on the floor, and he Namor goes in. He finds Modok. I don't know how to describe Modok's look. He's a large head on some kind of smaller body. He's like a giant face. It looks like something that, I mean, there's probably a reason you're going to tell me why he's drawn this way, but it looks like something, it looks like something, like his design looks like something that a child would draw who doesn't have any concept of of form and perspective. Or, or I mean, I should say something that I would draw because I don't have any concept of form and perspective, but he doesn't look right. What What, what is the story? Uh, Modoc was designed by Jack Kirby. And Modoc's story is that he was an AIM scientist, or he may even have been like a janitor or something like that. And they wanted to make like uh, a, a smart person, like the world's smartest person, and give him mental powers and, you know, like unlocking the human mind kind of thing. And so that's why he's got this like, his body is all his head, basically. And he's got these like little arms and legs and his body's little and he sits in this chair that's like a hover chair. Mm-hmm. That's why he's got this big head because it's like his brain is so big and powerful, you know, but he, he definitely has the look of like a, a Jack Kirby weirdo creation, you know, <laughs> like he, he's definitely unique. You could tell Modoc just by his silhouette alone. Definitely. And he explains that he was once, like you said, just a man. He was a victim of these experiments. Uh, he orders his men to take Namor below to the Cosmic Cube, and he starts laughing, and that takes us to the final issue in this arc, which is Submariner 49, The Dream Thank Stone. goodness we're finally the last one. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, this is a <laughs> this wild ride. Crazy. The first few pages... The first few pages are a fight between Namor and Modok's android army, and that takes up a, a good chunk of the first few pages. He's captured. Namor's captured. Modok tells Doom if he wants Namor alive, he better come and meet with him within the hour. And Doom agrees. So him and Modok get into the fight, and Modok tells Doom, you made a mistake coming there because 
you know, or he says it's, it's a mistake one of my Android children wouldn't have made. And Doom says, well, if that's the case, it's because Doom is a man and men have feelings and loyalty. And Modoc calls out, you know, for a man as alienated as Doom is to the bulk of humanity, he sure does have a protective attitude towards humanity. And he says, is it less about love for mankind and more about your hate for me? You know, someone who's like yourself. And Doom says, I have no <laughs> He should have said bah. That was a good place for him to say bah, but he did. I think Stan, it, did Stan didn't write this one? If Stan wrote this, I think. Yeah, this is Jerry bah. Conway writing, but yeah, Stan probably would have thrown in a good bah. <laughs> so Doom starts blasting away at all these androids. Namor's tied up. He's trying to figure things out. He, he asks one of the androids for some water, and the android just does it because I don't know if he's not too smart or what, but. He brings the water closer to Namor, who headbutts the glass of water, and the water splashes on Namor, and now his power's revived. He's back in business. You know, nobody told these androids, like, look, this is Namor. His uh, power (laughs) is water. So if he asks for a glass of water, one thing you don't want to do, yeah, one thing you don't want to do with this guy, if he asks for water, give him water. If he asks for something else, that's fine, like, whatever. But, like, don't give him any water. That's the number one thing you don't want to do, androids. And, like, they're just mindless. If he asks for a cheeseburger, that's okay. Don't give him water. <laughs> yeah, right. As smart as Modoc is, this uh, advanced intelligence, and he loves these android children, he, he didn't stop to think, like, okay, androids, here's one thing with Namor. He can't have water <laughs> at all. You understand? No water. Don't bring him anything. They're like, oh, got it. Sure. Namor is revived. He's back. In, he's back in the fight. He finds the cosmic cube. He looks upon it. Uh, it kind of overpowers him, which, you know, from the description, sure it would. <laughs> back to Cindy Jones in her cell. She's wondering how she can help. She thinks she's going to try to help. She's going to get out. Okay. This is very, there's only one panel of this, and you, you have to kind of read into this what you will, but she thinks she can get the guard's attention. And it's drawn, so she's, like, showing him a little leg or yeah, something. Yeah, she's hiking like, her she's skirt her up. Leg. Yeah, and her leg's kind of bent. And, again, we're not making any aspersions on <laughs> I just like the look here. on the guard's face. It's just a really weird, like. <laughs> the guard's, like, like, smiling, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like. I've never known Doom to have like they gave a lot of these Doom henchmen personalities in the, in these couple of issues and they're all bad personalities. And I mean, granted, they would be. You're working for you know, you're a henchman for hire. You're probably kind of shady. So this guy's just like, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. But like, like it, you know, of course, it's not going to go well for him because you know she ends up bashing him and escaping. Oldest trick in the book. All women know this trick. <laughs> I think they're born with it in their DNA. <laughs> Well, like they know exactly. the stupidity of men, right? They're like, she, well, you know, all women know. If I, I just show this guy like, a little bit of something, he's gonna be all distracted. I hit him over the head of his vase, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> now you think, though, all right. Now again, like Doom has got more important things on his mind, as he said. But you think after the run-in with the CD Wilson, he would have said, like, listen, guards, I don't know what's going on with you guys. I don't know what's happening with this whole situation, but I will tolerate none of this nonsense. So. From anybody's point of view, I want complete <laughs> professionalism. I don't want anyone attacking anyone, nor do I want anyone to be swayed by like a showing of <laughs> leg or something. But no, I mean, all of this maybe Doom just needs a good ass. HR department. <laughs> well, I have a point about that that comes up at the end here. But so we get back to Doom. He's destroying androids left and right. He's just like, you can make as many of these things as you want i'm gonna mow through them and he does because he's doom and he's awesome 
and he gets to Modoc, and it turns out the real Modoc is elsewhere. He's watching on a video screen, which is a theme constant to these comics. Everybody's always watching somebody on a video screen, and then they're and then like they're watching someone else on a video screen, and then that person is on a screen watching that person right. watch someone on a video screen. We get to see this Kenner guy again, who it turns out was a spy sent to kill the Submariner. Not a lot else gets said about that. Later, we come back to that. But Doom is drilling. He's trying to get near to the cube. And Kenner comes and bashes him on the head. And and then he inadvertently looks at the cube and disintegrates. <laughs> well, first of all, you're not going to take out Doom by hitting um, him in the back of the head. I mean, guy's wearing freaking armor. Yeah. <laughs> so he bashes him a couple times like, I wonder why he won't stay down. This guy with an armored head. And then when he kind of gets the jump on him, it's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark saying, like, it's beautiful. Right. And then he just disintegrates. <laughs> too much power for him. Uh, it's way too powerful for, for anybody, but much less this Kenner guy. Uh, you have to wonder what Wilson would have uh, uh, had experience <laughs> when he looked in there. But we won't know because Wilson, I guess, was also electrocuted. Now the escape. Cindy has clocked the guard and escaped. This is pro wrestling 101 because um, he opens a cell and he's like, Let's say you and me go for a walk. And then she hits him on the head with her shoe. <laughs> Is that not like pro wrestling, the female manager, like 101? <laughs> it's always a hit on the head with the shoe move. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it wasn't a stiletto to the eyeball. It was like, I don't I mean, there's. I've seen women's shoes. I don't know how heavy any of them. A lot of times they're a piece of wood with a small piece of plastic strap. Well, I once had a shoe so thrown at me by a woman. You don't know how powerful they are? It made a, a, a decent-sized uh, sounding impact nearby. I, I dodged it. <laughs> so I don't know. It might knock you out. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. It's in her hand, and she's using her, you know, power of her... She's bringing power to it. So, okay, let's go with it. And maybe this uh, guy was a fairly weak guard. Uh, maybe he wasn't as seedy as Wilson because he just he just goes like, oh, let's go for a walk. Whereas uh, Wilson was like, you know, scream, baby, <laughs> oh, yeah, so or whatever his thing was. <laughs> I hated him. I was glad he was dead. He's just like, oh. that's right, yeah. He was just the seediest guy of all time. I hated him. I was glad he was killed. She She finds doom. Uh, down and out. She helps him away from the cube and Doom's like, no, no, but she's like, no, you have to. I would help you. Namor finds the real Modoc and he wants to finish things and he says uh, something about, well, there's a girl involved and Modoc blasts him and he says, a girl? You'd sacrifice your life for a useless female? Modoc is kind of taking over in a way what Doom normally would be saying these kinds of things, I think. But Modoc is sort of taking over that role for this Yeah, line. yeah. It, it, Doom seems a little more humanized, whereas MODOK is definitely more like the unemotional, almost android-like himself uh, uh, persona. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, he's, he's kind of mm-hmm. taken over that role from Doom. It doesn't stop Namor. And here's where, this was confusing. He picks up MODOK, and I'm not sure what happens here. Does he crush him? They don't, they kind of skip ahead, I thought. Like, I, I didn't see, maybe I missed it, but I don't understand what happened to Modoc. Yeah, it looks like Namor just picks off. him up and chucks him up over behind him, like maybe into a wall or something. But there's an explosion, so maybe he threw him into like his big view screen. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it was, remember like on the Incredible Hulk TV show where <laughs> the Hulk would show up and 
sometimes he would throw somebody and then that was just it. Like that person, we never really know what happened to them. Did they die? Did he, like he would throw people and then like flex, you know, do the Hulk Hogan, like muscle pose, yeah. and run away. And that was it. So that's kind of what happens here. Doom's still trying to get the cube. Namor appears. He says he released it. And if Doom wants to live, he should forget his pride and he should leave with Namor and Cindy. And Doom is thinking with the cube, he might've transformed himself. And he says, saved himself from the nightmare of hatred and iniquity. So you mentioned that the cosmic cube is like a, a Aladdin's lamp. So doom is after, I guess, I'm not sure what he, it, it, earlier he said, I, you know, I'll be back to people will tremble when they say my name, but here he seems to be implying he would use it for something else. Like he would escape being Dr. Doom. Maybe he's setting the clocks back. We're not really sure what he's after here. He, he definitely wants it for, Think what about Doom now, like yeah. everything that he thinks of in the world relates back to him somehow or other. You know, his nightmares of True. hatred and inequity, nightmares or hatred is probably like because of his scarred up face and things like that. Not like he's trying to heal the world or something, you know, it's like, you know, I was going to make my life better. And then because of that, then the world would be better, you know, that kind of logic. That's fair. All three of them escape as the cosmic cube cube explodes. Now they're back in New Orleans and Doom is telling Namor to take care of Cindy because she saved his life. And he also says he doesn't know why, but he feels indebted to Namor. And Namor says, you speak in riddles, Doom, which I thought was a funny callback because a few issues ago, Doom had said something like that to uh, Valeria. Why would you speak in riddles, woman? Doom is kind of musing to himself and he's like, perhaps he's that he's meant for some sort of higher purpose. This is what you mentioned HR. He says that the man who attacked him, Kenner, meant to kill Namor. And he says something like, my records seem to have been tampered with. This was not the man I hired. (laughs) Yeah, because I got the feeling that these guys working for him here were basically mercenaries. They weren't like his usual people from Latveria, except for maybe the one like Flash Gordon guy with the jetpack. Because he seemed to be the only competent guy working for Doom and was, like, notifying him dutifully of things. Whereas, like, these guards were just, like, goons and, you know, Wilson. And uh, so, right. They were so, the like, bottom of the barrel, yeah. I, I, I don't think Doom hired them in terms of, like, putting out a want ad or, like, going through a, an HR department. But probably more like he had, like, little bags <laughs> with gold coins in it and was, like, you know, Hey, you stumble bums, come work for me. Uh, I'm trying to do this thing here and threw them each a bag and they were like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, this was pre-internet, pre-monster.com or anything like that. So, you know, I guess there could have been a resume involved, uh, a reference doom on the phone. Like, yes, um, how's tomorrow at one? Uh, do you think you can come in then? I'm like, well, I can't make it at one, about one thirty. <laughs> like, ah, doom does. One or nothing. Like, okay, fine. Can I get the first thing off? I already planned a vacation. <laughs> yeah, Doom can't be bothered with that kind of stuff. Right. So, like, maybe he has – does he have an HR department at the Latverian embassy who handles this? Because he's just like, this was not the man I hired. So maybe he hired him sight unseen or his records tampered with means that he hired somebody and that guy was replaced. Doom goes to his HR people like, look, you guys need to get this in motion. Do you realize these last couple guys you hired? Uh, one, you know, was not the guy I hired. Two, 
uh, was this other guy who got <laughs> and got hit. And up then there was Wilson. Two. The third guy was just a straight up psychopath <laughs> weirdo. Um, I can't uh, trust this Wilson guy around women, so I just killed him. <laughs> now, if you keep hiring guys like that, I got to keep killing them. That's all. Well, and rightfully so. <laughs> Now, that's a lot of killing. Well, and rightfully so. You know, even despite what Cindy was like, he was only trying. Why did you have to kill him? Like, did you want me to not kill him? Uh, I think killing did him. Did you want me to just leave him here best. with you? <laughs> because that would not end well. He, uh, he's going to, he vanishes into the fog. Namor and Cindy watch him go without speaking, but he tells Namor before he leaves that Namor has gained a friend, which. I, I I don't like this friendly doom very much. Like this, this was almost like a Toy Story type thing. You've been playing that music. <laughs> you've got a friend in me. <laughs> you've got a friend in here. <laughs> I didn't like where this was going at all. I was like, no, no, no. What 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 have we seen here? This is I, I don't like this. this yes, friendly um, doom. we're at a very strange time for Doctor Doom right now. He's not really. He's not the doom that he started out being, and that's the doom he will become again. But I'm thinking that probably won't be until John Byrne takes over the Fantastic Four. Because <laughs> I know that one of the things he was tasked with by Jim Shooter, who was then the editor-in-chief, was that he had to make Doctor Doom fearsome again. I'm thinking that it's stories like this that Shooter probably had in mind. Like, that's not really... Doom, you know, like this is like you said, Toy Story Doom. Like we got to get back to like fearsome, cool Doctor Doom, and he will get like that again, thankfully. But I think we're in the beginnings of that kind of weird era for Doom. Well, we're in the beginnings. That's uh, I, this this one tired me out. So if we're just in the beginning of this era, we're going to run into some very interesting oh, uh, stories. Just wait till next episode. But, <laughs> Oh, and before we wrap up this issue, I'd just before like to point we... out that oh. in this issue, in the ads, if you uh, have an actual physical copy, there is another ad featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it's our second time now ah, that we yeah. see Arnold pop Still up. Pushing his... It's a different ad. Still it's pushing... a new one. But it's just cool. Still like, hey, look, there's stuff. Arnold. <laughs> before we talk about where this journey is going to take us next. And I hope, on one hand, I hope it's as bizarre as this. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm like, I'm tired. This one took a lot out of me. Let's, let's, uh, let me do this real quickly before you give out the homework assignment. So we are, uh, you're listening to us. You know where to find us. We are on Anchor. We are also on Spotify. We're also on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. You can also find us on Twitter at Dr. Doomcast. Uh, gmail at drdoomcast at gmail.com and Instagram at the Dr. Doomcast because I think someone already had just Dr. Doomcast. So we're the Dr. Doomcast on Instagram. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Send in your comments, questions, criticisms. <laughs> no, no criticisms. Let me take that back. Yeah. We don't need criticisms, but you know, tell us uh, your thoughts on these things. You had said this last time that this storyline was <laughs> and it certainly was. In many ways. Uh, tell us what we're going to do next. All right. Where is this bizarre Well, today, uh, you know, we went over the Submariner 47 to 49. Those are from uh, March through May of 1972. Now, 
We'll be skipping ahead about a half a year, and we'll be going to January and February of 1973, and we will be uh, reading Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, issues 8 and 9. And uh, it's an interesting story because uh, basically it is a black exploitation movie where Dr. Doom is the villain. <laughs> it is going to be... Very uh, awkward at times for us to go over this, mainly just because of, of uh, I don't know, outdated, sh- should we say, uh, uh, wording and explanations <laughs> on things. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be awkward, but I think that will make it funny. People will be laughing at us trying to talk about this stuff, but it, it's definitely well, an improvement over oh. these uh, Submariner issues. But it's definitely Doom is a bit out of character, and I'll, I'll go into that as we, you know, go over everything in, in that episode. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get a lot of laughs. <laughs> well, it can only be a step up from the uh, appearance of the C.D. Wilson, and uh, hopefully he doesn't reappear uh, in any of these. Hopefully not. Subsequent issues. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm looking forward to the to the listeners' res- response and thoughts on our our take on this bizarre story that we're about to <laughs> that we're about to cover. Oh, it's great! It is. There's some stuff I want to tell you about now, but it, I, I should just wait till we get there. <laughs> well, on that note, you have your assignments for next time. Uh, dig into that one. Uh, be ready for our our attack on it. Um, yeah. And uh, and we will reconvene uh, the Doctor Doom. <laughs> All right, thank you for soon. listening. <laughs>